You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted. By Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, everybody? Matt Perino here inside Highmark Stadium. Just a little past midnight here, about an hour after the Buffalo Bills completed an absolute throttling of the Tennessee Titans. And it's it's funny, Ryan Talbot, I, I was kind of taking the pulse of Bills Mafia on social media anyway, early in that game. And there was a lot of stress. There was a lot of anxiety. There was a lot of frustration with the way that was going. But you take a closer look at how that game even started. And I think I tweeted it out at halftime. It was four possessions two touchdowns, one field goal and a turnover on downs. And I think it's something that, you know, when you, when you're used to seeing this offense operate the way that it, it has, you know, it's, it's something where frustration, I guess, happens when everything doesn't go perfectly, but it's a whole different world that Bills fans are living in here now in 2022. Yeah. It's a much different scene than uh, 10, 15 years ago when it was a revolving door at quarterback, when you were just hoping that they would hold on in these primetime games, if they even showed up and, and performed well at all. So to, to come out here and to, to be upset about that first half performance, listen, I get it to a certain extent. They were sloppy at times. They're a little too amped up, some bad penalties. Um, maybe that factored into it. The Titans being a team, that the bills had struggled with the past two seasons, but to, to go into halftime up 10 points to then put on the absolute beat down that they did in the second half. You know, I, I think if you're a Bills fan, you have to be thrilled after these first two weeks to after seeing what you did to the reigning Super Bowl champions in the AFC's number one seed last season. Yeah. And you also got to be thrilled when, you know, you can get out to the tailgates. The scene out here was absolutely amazing today. And to get yourself stocked up every home game, or if you're going to the, on the road, head over to Tops. Uh, markets, uh, falling leaves, crisp weather means it's our favorite time of the year, tailgate season. And you can win the ultimate tailgate accessory right now from Tops just by purchasing brands you already love. Head over to uh, topsmarkets.com to get more details. Um, all right, we're going to start. We're, we have so much to talk about, so much that we have to break down from this game, Ryan Talbot. And I think the best place to start is Derrick Henry because going into the game, all week long, it's, you know, over and over again, press conference to press conference, Tremaine Edmonds, you know, Jordan Poyer, Von Miller, Sean McDermott, Leslie Frazier. They were all asked about Derrick Henry's big three touchdown performance last last year. And you come into this game and it, it seems like you're you're trending in that direction early on. Right. When the, when he's able to, uh, you know, power one in near the goal line. But we're talking about a performance in this one for the bills where they absolutely shut him down. I mean, this was one of the most helpless 
efforts I've seen from Derrick Henry in his entire career. And, you know, I, I always thought it was going to be interesting to watch him come back from that injury because usually uh, the running style, the physicality that he plays with and the, the you know, how, how much he needs to be right below the, you know, the belt. I mean, his legs are super important in, in what he does, uh, how that, projected after he got back how it was going to look and he just to me has not looked like the same player since that injury I wonder if he came back a little bit too soon uh that remains to be seen 13 carries in this game Ryan 25 yards he averaged I mean this is crazy numbers 1.9 yards per carry this was a dominant effort from this Bills defense dominant when you also consider the fact that two of their main defensive tackles weren't even playing in this game. They were inactive. Ed Oliver, maybe the star of the defensive tackle position. Tim Settle, a big free agent signing. They're both inactive. They they promote two guys from the practice squad, and, and yet this defense showed absolutely no fear of Derrick Henry. Uh, I cannot remember a game, at least in the Bills-Titans history, where he was hit and stopped in the backfield so many times or hit and stopped for short gains. Uh, I saw Christian Benford come up and make a big play uh, in the run game. I saw Greg Rousseau. You saw all these defensive linemen, linebackers, just kind of shooting the gaps, going in there and making that first contact with him where he, you're right. Maybe maybe he's not the same guy he was before that this injury because – you know, we would see him shrug off contact in the past, uh, keep the legs moving forward, keep gaining those positive yards. But it, they were just few and far between tonight on Monday Night Football. For the most part, when the Bills made contact, he was going down after uh, maybe an additional yard or two. So kudos to this Bills defense playing shorthanded going into the game, uh, dealing with some injuries in game and, and still uh, having such a dominant performance against one of the best backs in, in the last 20, 30 years. Yeah. And I want to get to, you know, some more nuance into why I think that performance was possible. We're going to talk about a couple really good performances today on the Bills defense. But before we do, a couple comments we've seen in here already. You know, we should give an update on the injuries because that, that was one of the scariest injuries I've seen live. Yeah. Uh, Dane Jackson in the first half. Getting uh, going in for a tackle late in the second quarter on Traylon Burks and Tremaine Edmonds just so happened to come in at the most inopportune time for the play as Burks was kind of falling to the ground. Edmonds left his feet and and just plunged right into Dane Jackson. His neck kind of went back, and you know they showed the replay a couple times on the the broadcast, and it was really tough to watch. And you know, the, I think it was about five minutes, a little more than five minutes. Jackson was down, uh, and, and he was being tended to by EMTs. Here, uh, he was taken off off the field uh, via ambulance. Uh, and some really good news out of the locker room: Demar Hamlin, one of his good friends, they played together at Pitt. He's talking. Uh, he talked to him after the game, and he said that he's doing good. Uh, which is a really good sign. Jordan Poyer also added that he's doing well. Uh, the Bills almost immediately put out uh, a statement uh, a few minutes after the injury w- when he left the field saying that he can move all of ex- his extremities. So we're, I think we're in the best possible situation for Jackson with considering how scary that injury was. Yeah, when you saw it live, when you saw the replay, the fact that his head, you know, snapped back, his neck snapped back, it was very scary. The, you know, the one thing that happened after the play that uh, seemed to be kind of missed a little bit was he did kind of, he was on his side a little bit and he kind of slammed his hand and mouth guard down to the ground. So you saw him move a little bit, but then it got, like you said, very scary, very fast. 
not a lot of movement. When you see the ambulance come out so quickly, um, you know, it's usually the card is usually something else for these injuries. But when the ambulance comes onto the field, you, you know, it's something very scary, very legitimate. So like you said, hearing post game that players were communicating with him, he was giving encouraging signs in terms of his status. Uh, you, you couldn't ask for anything more after seeing something like that, where uh, it could have been a lot worse, possibly uh, based on what we saw there, Matt. You know, the Bills pretty banged up right now. I mean, if you look across uh, the roster, you know, going into this game, Gabriel Davis was a, a, a late scratch. Uh, he suffered an ankle injury on Saturday. And, of course, we did our preview show probably about 20 minutes. We finished 20 minutes later. The, the game Davis news broke, uh, which completely changed the complexion of the game. But what's interesting enough, we both uh, had the Bills scoring close to 40 points, I believe. What was your What was your final prediction? 38-17. Yep, 38. I had him 41. And so I think we both thought that they were going to score points, and we didn't change that, you know, when it got to uh, this game because I thought that there were other ways they could move the ball, score the ball. Uh, Jay Kumaro with a big bomb today, but Davis out. And then on the defensive side, Ed Oliver and Tim Settle, they didn't play today. They were held out. Brandon Bryant was called up, C.J. Brewer. And then Jackson leaves the game. Micah Hyde leaves the game with a neck injury. He told Jordan Poyer that he's doing okay. Jordan Phillips with a hamstring, he left the game. And then Matt Milano with a stinger. I mean, this is concerning going on the road next week and and facing the, the Miami Dolphins. In a short week, nonetheless, you know, you, you go from this long extended break between Thursday and Monday night. And now all of a sudden uh, we're, we're sitting here early Tuesday morning as we're as we're doing this podcast. And it's like, man, you're counting down the days until Sunday in this matchup of two and O teams in the AFC East. And so many significant contributors on this team either got banged up tonight or. Uh, we're injured in the first game or injured in practice like Gabe Davis. And you're right. It's concerning. You need this team. You want this team as close to 100 percent, not just because it's a big matchup within the division two of the undefeated teams remaining in the league, which there's not too many of those left right now. Uh, it's also because you want this offense to keep you know, building that rapport, building that chemistry that we've seen over the past few seasons. You want these defensive players to get in, to stay fresh, to have that rotation going. So there, there's little things you're hoping for. And obviously with, with all these injuries that happened tonight, you're, you're hoping for the best in all cases. Uh, with such a quick turnaround, going to Miami where it's going to be very hot, very humid in early in the season, uh, the Bills are going to have to be very cautious with some of these players and in terms of whether or not they can go on Sunday afternoon. Uh, Mitch Morse, also uh, Bill W over on YouTube mentions he was hurt. Uh, he did return. I thought Greg Van Roten, after a shaky start, I thought played pretty well until Morse was able to get back in the game. Uh, I'll be interested to go back and watch the entirety of the game. But Josh Allen really was able to, you know, he made a couple of bad throws in this game, I thought. Almost like he was a little bit antsy in the pocket and and I know facing Jeffrey Simmons from time to time that can happen but if you look at the the stats in this game only one sack for the Titans uh three quarterback hits Uh, I'll be interested to look at the pressure numbers but when they when they're available but this wasn't a game where I felt that the Tennessee front was able to really have a big impact and I think you got to credit you know the starting offensive line for the Bills especially on the interior with the moving parts of Van Roten in there for a little while that was uh Nice to see. I mean, it was just Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs just took over this game. It's almost like they were going to force the force the issue until the dam broke. And then all of a sudden, you know, <laughs> it's like a waterfall in this place. It's it's fitting that we're 
20, 25 minutes away from Niagara Falls because I almost felt like the, the Titans drowned in that second half. And, you know, Allen kept, you know, finding different ways to get Stefan Diggs the ball. And then obviously the big play was the deep touchdown pass, but that's two straight weeks. One of the big offseason storylines, Ryan, was how are the Bills going to unlock that deep passing game and get Stefan mm-hmm. Diggs going back down the field? This is two straight weeks now with 40 plus yard touchdown passes. And I, and I think teams are just starting to realize that there's so many ways that Josh Allen can beat you at all three levels that it, you can't just focus all of your attention on Diggs. No, and you know, first and foremost with the offensive line, you know, Van Rowan had some snaps that I thought were questionable low, especially did it felt like low into the left a lot. I'll have to go back and rewatch that. But he held up okay in blocking. The, the offensive line, there's room for improvement in terms of run blocking. But like you said, they did a nice job tonight uh protecting Josh Allen with the three quarterback hits, one sack allowed. In in terms of Allen having a few throws you would like to have back, I almost wonder, Matt, if it's the fact that the Titans knew the Bills weren't gonna run on them, uh, especially early in the second half. The Bills had pretty much no luck in the first half. Devin Singletary had one nice run, uh, but then after that, everything was pretty much stonewalled. Zach Moss was getting stopped on those short yarded uh, situations. So, you know, eventually kudos to Ken Dorsey for this. He pretty much said, we can't run against this team right now. We're just going to pass, pass, pass. And it felt like every single play was a, was a throw for Josh Allen. And eventually I think the Titans just kind of said, okay, we don't, we know they're not going to uh, run the ball. So we can at least maybe make a few plays here and there. They had some batted passes. They uh, almost had an interception in the end zone, but more times than not, Allen had the right answer to this defense digs going against some young cornerbacks that were just, completely unfair matchups. But then also these other guys stepping up. You mentioned Kumaro, two for 50, I believe, with one being like a 39-yard reception. Mm -hmm. Uh, You had Isaiah McKenzie and Jamison Crowder. Maybe they didn't fill fill the stat sheet, but they both converted uh, first downs or or came close to it. I think uh, McKenzie was one yard short on his. Uh, Crowder, again, the moving the chains. Dawson Knox being more of a factor. They needed other guys to step up in this passing game, and it happened tonight. So like you said, there's just so many weapons. Even when your 1B, Gabe Davis, is out, it's hard to stop this offense from working because Allen is so – his precision is there in terms of what he sees, what he's reading from these defenses. The double moves are starting to work. If he has enough time, uh, you can only guard these guys so long, and it leads to those long touchdown passes. So kudos to Dorsey, kudos to Allen and this entire offense for what we've seen through the first two weeks, Matt. Uh, Money Jones on YouTube with the super chat. Uh, Josh Allen threw double the touchdowns and 1,500 more yards once Diggs got to town. How much uh, of Josh being great is Diggs as as opposed to Josh just progressing? And one has to have something to do with the other, right? Like I, I, I think you look at the great players in this league. Uh, Patrick Mahomes has had one of the most dangerous weapons in football the, for his entire career. And I think the development that you've seen in his game pr- is predicated on the fact that he's had Tyreek Hill and Travis and Travis Kelsey. And sure, Hill's not there anymore, but he still has Kelsey and they're able to figure things out. And he's now at a different level in this league to where he's seen almost everything and he can adapt more easily. And so, yeah, do I think that Josh Allen would be the player that he is today without Stefan Diggs? I think I could say no definitively but just getting a great player doesn't necessarily mean you're going to develop you know without uh without question and i think the way that he has progressed even since he's gotten digs and the player that he's become and the way that uh he wins and the and, and the way that he's able to kind of operate some of the throws that he's made he's made consistently the last three seasons at all of the levels 
that to me is where the real progress is shown. But without Diggs, would he be the guy that he is today? I, I think it's safe to say no. Yeah, listen, it works both ways. I mean, look look around the league. Look at what Tyreek Hill has done early in the season for Tua and the fact that he's uh, taken some balls that should have been intercepted and turned them into gains, that he's been open on broken coverages and that, you know, helping Tua make some big plays there. Stefan Diggs certainly helped Josh Allen in his development, but let's not also sit here and act like Josh Allen uh, didn't make a lot of his receivers have their put up their best seasons to date. You know, mm-hmm. Diggs had his best season ever with the Bills. You had Cole B. You've had uh, John Brown. You've had Zay Jones. Not necessarily guys that are, are crushing it across the league right now. Elsewhere, if they're no longer with the Bills, or you know, in the case of Brown, out of the league, he has this effect on players too. It wasn't that long ago, you know, that they, they had an undrafted free agent in here, uh, and he was making plays on the field, and now he's on like his third, fourth, fifth team in this league. So. Josh Allen has made a lot of these receivers better, but sure, when when you add a premier talent like Stefan Diggs, that's going to help Josh Allen as well. It certainly works both ways, Matt. And I think that it's to Josh Allen's credit that he was able to have the game that he had today without Gabe Davis, knowing no matter what they had on the in the defensive backs room for Tennessee, they were going to focus their game plan in trying to take away Stefan Diggs. And part of the reason you can't do that is because Diggs, like he likes to say, is him right? That's the that's the the in quote these days. And uh, one of the viral videos that uh, came out of the Rams game was him on the sideline calling himself a demon. And I think I hashtag that today during the game because he was playing like a demon, man. He was playing like he was possessed out there. So th- there's part of that, right? But as Brian says here, you know, as long as Josh Allen is under center, these injuries don't feels so damning. He's a generational talent and transcends the other guys around him. And I do think he raises guys' level of play, you know? And I, and I think he also, what makes Allen so special, and I think that you kind of can put only a couple of guys in this pot. I, I'd, add, I'd add Herbert in there, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, in, in that they sometimes negate the downfalls of their offensive lines. Right. Like it, it, on plays where maybe somebody misses a block, it's not as bad of a situation because of the improv- improvisation that some of these quarterbacks have. And Allen tonight, I mean, he, he made a couple plays out of structure where you kind of were like head scratching was like, oh, that wasn't a good play. Like he uh, there was a couple short yardage plays at times where the Bills offense just kind of like caved in on itself. Uh, and, and Allen had a bad play a few times. So. It's never going to be perfect necessarily, but I don't think that any quarterback playing in this league is perfect. I mean, Lamar Jackson had a spectacular game. I mean, I watched that game against the Miami Dolphins and in the fourth quarter, he just, you know, he couldn't keep pace with the ferocious comeback that that, that Miami was putting on. And that's this league. You got to some games, you got to just keep making plays over and over again. Now, this was a kind of game where the defense for the Bills kind of met uh, what the offense's energy and held up its end of the bargain. Yeah, appreciate the super chat from our friend Brian here, but uh, I, I agree. I, I feel like Josh Allen, when you have a quarterback like Josh Allen, one of those franchise QBs, you're always going to be in it. You're always going to be in the conversation of a Super Bowl contender. Uh, think about, you know, obviously Tom Brady has some great talent on these Tampa Bay rosters the, the past few years, but there was some average-ish talent on some of those New England teams. Obviously, at the greatest tight end of all time in Gronkowski, or one of the greatest tight ends, but when you, when you have a Brady, when you have a Mahomes, when you have an Aaron Rodgers, you're, you're always going to sit there and say, 
there's a chance they win it all. There's a chance they go deep into the playoffs because as long as you have that guy at quarterback, you can compete on any Saturday, Sunday come playoff time because they play on both days of the weekend uh, against any team. And I, I do feel that way about Josh Allen. I think the whole league feels that way about Josh Allen. When Von Miller got to Buffalo and the first time that he met Tremaine Edmonds, he asked him what he wanted him to call him. And he said, just call me Sav Maine. Right. That's what that's what Tremaine Evans looked to go by. Sav uh, Maine Savage. Right. Or Sav Maine. Uh, and so after tonight, I think Von Miller is saying, I'll call you anything you want. You play like that. And I thought it was interesting listening to him talk after the game about the demeanor of the team. And I want to pull out this quote and talk a little bit about it for a minute. He said, whenever we're up, we keep saying to each other, don't blink. Don't let our foot off the gas. It's a killer instinct. It's a blood in the water instinct. I don't know what it was before I got here, but now we're pedaled to the medals. We have an attitude of domination. We're not playing the game to just win the game. We're playing the game to dominate the game. We got a team full of killers and it's led by our quarterback and our head coach. The leadership on this team from Brandon Bean all the way down to the janitors and the infrastructure of the team. And I think that's, it's interesting, Ryan. It's like, you felt that today. I mean, the Bills had every chance once this game was 24 to 7, just cruise the rest of the way. And not only just the defense, and of course, the pick six kind of sealed it and they kept getting the Titans offense off the field. But this offense was blood in the water is the perfect analogy because I felt like Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, this offense, they they felt like a bunch of sharks that were just going to keep chomping, keep chomping until you know, dinner was, was, was finished. Yeah. And look across the league, the first two weeks, think about how many teams had big leads or sizable leads only to kind of give them up later to lose the game altogether. Much like the Ravens, you know, the Ravens really could have had uh, 35 points at halftime. They got stopped at the one yard line on one drive. Uh, but it looked like it was still a pretty decent lead when you're up 21 in the fourth quarter. And all of a sudden it, it, it dissipates. It's gone before you know it. So I, I think that one, the way that this league is, you need to have your, your foot on the gas pedal at all times. But I also think it goes back to McDermott maybe learning from some of these early years in, in his tenure with the Bills where there were some mm-hmm. games that got away from them late because they got a little conservative. They weren't aggressive enough when they needed to be. And uh, you learn those lessons over time. Obviously, you can point to that the playoff game last year, but that just had to do more so with um, you know who got the ball last. But th- there were times early in McDermott's tenure where people thought you need to go for it in these fourth and short situations. Uh, and now he is a lot more aggressive about it. It's a, it's a reason why the Bills didn't punt for uh, so long this season. It took a while to get the punter out there on the field. The Bills were going for it. Well, they the got a new trick play, Ryan. Sure. They do. They do. And that's right. The uh, end over end punt that leads to fumbles. So worked pretty well tonight. I must say, Matt, a really good debut from uh, Martin as well. Someone that probably flew under the radar, but averaged almost 50 yards per punt. I think it was 48.7. If I remember correctly, good directional kicks. That last one was right near the sidelines. I think all three were actually near the sidelines. So exactly what you want. You want to kind of limit what they can do with it. And when they can't feel it, heck, that's even better. Yeah, and there were, you know, some performances that I really want to dive into tonight because these are some names that I think we talked a lot about in the offseason that it was a situation where if they hit, if they're if they take the next steps in their games and we'll get to them in a second, that's when this defense becomes potentially really scary. Uh we're going to bring up our value 
uh, toolsy players of the game. And it just so happens to be two players that I want to get into here and talk about in this segment that I think have their performance today was indicative of what I think this defense can be at its best and what makes this team so difficult to play against. So let's start with your toolsy, your value toolsy player of the game, Ryan Talbot. Yeah. Matt, first, what are your thoughts on breakfast for dinner? Big fan. Big fan. Big fan. French toast, pancakes. I think Greg Rousseau is a big fan of that too, because this summer Von Miller said he was feeding um gunpowder and gasoline for breakfast. It's clear he had breakfast for dinner tonight because he was running on gasoline <laughs> and gunpowder uh, against the Tennessee Titans. Listen, uh, I watched him play and he didn't f- fill the stat sheet. He had one of the few sacks in the game where he just uh, lined up as a three technique and just bowled through that d- the offensive line of the Titans to sack Ryan Tannehill. I saw him get into the backfield and show no fear taking on Derrick Henry one-on-one and taking him down. He made play after play. He was he was always around the ball right there, pushing guys back. You can see his confidence growing week after week. And, and that's not just including the first two weeks of the regular season. Throughout the summer, I saw his confidence growing when we, when we were at St. John Fisher University in the preseason too. And now through two weeks, he has two sacks. Uh, he's becoming that consistent presence that the Bills were envisioning when they drafted him in round one. How much of that has to do with Von Miller? Probably a good amount because you have to account for a guy like Miller at all times. But Russo is making the most of this new opportunity. So he is my toolsy player of the game, Matt. What about you? Yeah, I love it. And to your point, Russo, he made so many impact plays tonight. And the, you know, this is a week removed from when I think AJ Epinesa and Boogie Basham maybe stole the headlines a little bit and he grabbed him right back. I mean, he was, and I thought Epinesa was really solid tonight. I thought he made a yeah. couple of good plays himself. There was one play on a Derrick Henry run to the left. I tweeted about it where it was almost like a shoulder shiver. It's almost like the Bills watched the Shout podcast because we talked about the physicality that they were going to have to play with to really throw Derrick Henry off of their game. And I think all three quarters or all four quarters, well, three quarters, while while Derrick Henry and the starters were playing, that the Bills really met that challenge from a physical perspective. And the guy leading the charge for me was Tremaine Edmonds. This was, like I saw a couple people tweet out, like this was the best game Edmonds has had in a Bills uniform. And that may be the case. I'd have to go back and maybe chart the games a little bit. But it was a situation where, He was just so consistent. And then the splash plays came because of that consistency. And I was talking to him in the locker room after the game and just asking him, like, when it's going that well, what's the mindset? Like, like, is it something you can channel in future games? And it's like, you know what it is? It's like when the when the good plays are happening, you're chasing those good plays. It's almost like you enter a vibe, if you will, on the field. And it's just, you're, you're playing in a, in, in a certain level, a certain like consistency. And, and you saw it play out on the field there. The splash plays are great. And that's something that I think a lot of people are going to focus on from this game. But I thought some of the, some of the just run of the mill, you know, tackles, being around the ball, reading blocks correctly, getting through spots and, and, and just, being kind of ominous, you know, that's what he really is. He is like this, this force on the other side of the ball that, you know, we've talked about it. NFL players and coaches respect this guy. Von Miller talking about, you know, the fact that he thinks he's one of the best interior uh, linebackers in the NFL. He played like it tonight and he's my toolsy player of the game because 
you know, they needed that from him with a couple of def- defensive tackles out. I felt, I felt like he really helped set the tone and for him to do that, you know, g- before the game, when I, when I talked about this and I think I, I retweeted a, a clip that I was on from a show or something like that. One of the responses from a fan was Tremaine Edmonds being physical. Has that ever happened? And it's like, I know he's got, he gets a bad rap and I, I know that like people are really, he's polarizing and people are, you know, they, they tend to bang on him a little bit, but I think that there have been times when he's demonstrated his fit, his willingness to be physical. And I thought it was consistent for four, for three quarters tonight. Yeah, I agree with that. And, and, you know, for the people that kind of bash on Edmonds, go back and look at some of the defensive linemen that were in front of him and the fact that they weren't uh, making plays up front. Maybe he almost felt like he had to be overly aggressive. Maybe he felt like he had to try to get up there and make plays. And that led to some of those over pursuits, some missed plays because the guys in front of him weren't doing their jobs. Uh, I think now that he knows that he has all that talent in front of him, that they're doing the job, they're getting the job done. It's going to, it allows him to play more freely play more with with more physicality, get after the ball carriers like Henry, uh, shoot through the gap and just get after Ryan Tannehill like he did tonight. Those are confidence-building plays. Those are plays that you see from a guy that uh, believes in the players in front of him, believes in the players on the back end, and it's a good thing to see, Matt. Vaughn impacting Greg a ton while he looks so good. And yeah, I mean, if you're going to go back and look at the win rate tonight from Vaughn Miller, I bet you it's going to be pretty high. He was in in Tannehill's lap several times, and it's just a situation where Tannehill getting rid of the ball. So, I mean, you know, Jack Donnell over on YouTube, thanks for the super chat. I totally agree uh, with that assessment. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for the Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Let's go to uh, something I've seen in the chat a little bit, the the inability to run the ball. I've seen it. I don't necessarily disagree with it. I I think more specifically, they're talking about in short yardage situations. I've seen that from a few people here. Uh, How concerned are you right now, Matt, with the fact that in these third and short, fourth and short scenarios, uh, the Bills are really having trouble executing when when they're trying to get those yards on the ground? I I don't want to... position this as an anti Zach Moss take because Mm -hmm. I I do think that there is a world that we, you know, that the bills maybe is a better way to put this can live in where Zach Moss is effective. I mean, he had one really solid run tonight. I still think that there's potential there, but I think the bills are doing their running game a disservice by not handing the keys to Devin Singletary. And I think it comes down to what they maybe learned last year when they did that was that it was so much easier to rely on certain plays because you knew what you were doing in certain situations. So instead of like having this kind of uh, platoon effect, Devin Singletary can kind of get himself going in a game. It was another situation tonight. And I thought going in the bills might want try to like, you know, spread the, spread the wealth in the backfield, 11 carries. It ended up being for James cook. Cause he ran a lot in the fourth quarter. It doesn't really count 
six carries for Singletary, three carries for Moss. So they really didn't run the ball a lot. So, I mean, sure, was it not working? Yes, but I just think that there's there's not enough cohesiveness as a unit. You know, you go back to Aaron, some of Aaron Cromer's uh, Rams teams, right, when Todd Gurley was still super effective back in the late 2010s. And I mean, the dude was carrying the ball 20 plus times a game. Mm-hmm. And how many times in his career has Devin Singletary had that many carries? And I, I think that they're definitely setting up for what is going to be next year. If the bills aren't able to re-sign Devin Singletary, they want to keep Zach Moss in the mix. And I, and I get that, but I think they would be, they would benefit from shrinking down the package for the other running backs in the run game and let Devin Singletary eat in that department and then dial some stuff up for, for, for James Cook in the passing game. Yeah. You know, earlier in the show, we sat here and we were talking about Ken Dorsey being able to adjust on the fly when the run game is not working pass, pass, pass the ball. When's he going to make that adjustment now in the run game itself in the running back room? And maybe it's week three against Miami. Maybe it comes a little bit later, but I think he has to sit down and, and look and say, okay, We've tried to divvy up these carries a little bit. It really hasn't panned out. They've they've all had their moments of decent runs. You know, Singletary had, I think he had a run of a rush of 16 yards tonight. Moss had one around 17 yards. And then obviously Cook had that long run uh, late in the fourth quarter against a lot of reserves, mind you. But for the most part, they were kind of uh, being stonewalled, losing yards, getting no gains. So it's up to him now to kind of say, should we give Singletary the bulk of these carries like we did late last season when Brian Dable was here and it really kind of paid off for him and he had multiple weeks of 70 plus overall yards and he you know it was really really good against the Patriots in the playoffs in the wild card round uh you want to get one guy going it's not saying you have to go away from Moss and, and Cook entirely uh but make him your lead back give him double digit carries each week that being Singletary that 12 to 15 range I think is a good sweet spot if you're going to run the ball that much but t- tonight it was a, you know it was a lot of different things one the, the backs just couldn't get any uh kind of they couldn't get past the uh, the defensive line for the most part in that game. There are some missed blocks and missed opportunities. I think that fourth and one play after the Bills got stonewalled, I think on the Zach Moss run, where Khalil Shakir just completely missed on his guy, and that led to Josh Allen uh, leading to the the pass that uh, throwaway pretty much that was a turnover on down. So th- there was some stuff up front, but the, the backs themselves have not been effective enough to my liking to sit here and say, going into Sunday, let's just keep spreading the ball around a little bit. Make Singletary your guy and ride the hot hand that's been the guy for your team since last season. Speaking of riding the hot hand, get into Tops uh, Markets today. And right now through October 29th, every time you use your Tops Bonus Plus card to purchase participating brands like Pepsi, Campbell, Smithfield, and so many more, you're automatically entered for a chance to win a tailgate and go kitchen for the ultimate tailgating experience for complete details, visit topsmarkets.com slash red zone. There's so many ways to save, so many ways to win at tops. Thank you to Robert for the super chat here. You didn't even say anything. I feel bad. Robert, if you if you have something else to say, buddy, Robert Lewis. He has know. a few I'll things here in the chat, okay. too. Go, you know, yeah. he mentioned that Josh Allen just it feels like a different, even a different aura than what Jim Kelly brought. But I like his last comment, too. He said the defensive backs have the front six to seven to thank Benford had an awesome open field tackle tonight. Real quick, touching on uh, upon these young cornerbacks. Yeah, Benford, really nice open field tackle. 
Uh, or actually, a, a tackle in the backfield on Henry, if, if I remember correctly. Kyrie Elam comes into the game after a few series. Uh, I think it was his first series in. Third down pass. It's a short pass. He runs up into the play, makes the tackle, makes sure that the Titans can't uh, move the chains. It forces a punt. So little things like that have gone a, a long way for these guys. I do agree with Robert that obviously the way that the defensive line, the linebackers have been playing, in the first two games, it has certainly made life easier. When you have Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde back there, it makes life easier. Uh, when, when you're keeping everything in front of you as well and you're not allowing those big plays, uh, it makes it easier for these young cornerbacks to kind of build their confidence, feel confident in what they're doing. But a, a tall task ahead coming up on Sunday, not to get too far ahead of ourselves with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, uh, you know, in Miami awaiting the Bills. Even if Dane Jackson didn't suffer this injury tonight, I mean, there'd be concerns about next week. I mean, mm-hmm. just watching what the the Dolphins did uh, against Baltimore. Now, I don't think that the Bills are going to allow them to beat them down the field. I think they're going to make him, you know, play, you know, off the line of scrimmage, the f- 10 to 15 to 20 yards uh, in that area and try to tackle, try to get to the, to the ball carriers and pressure to it with their front four, which I think they're probably going to be able to generate that pressure. I'm not very impressed with the Miami Dolphins offensive line, and maybe they'll prove me wrong in that department. We'll see, but here's where I'm a little bit concerned, particularly with Kyer Elam. There was a couple plays tonight where I felt like Traylon Burks got across the coverage and it even happened with Dane Jackson, I think on one play uh, on some of those crossing routes. And I don't think he has the high end speed. He definitely doesn't. I think he's in the four fives, his 40 time to be able to run away from, you know, Kyer Elam, who's in the low four fours. That to me is like recognition based. And when you flip the switch from, um, I know they were, you know, they had Cooper cup last week and he's his own kind of, animal to deal with but when you flip the switch from robert woods and Traylon burks to jalen uh waddle and tyreek hill i mean you're talking about super speed and you know it's almost like you're watching a like a movie in fast forward mode and that's the area of concern i have and it's exacerbated by the fact that micah hyde you know there's serious questions now about his availability suffering a neck injury what that's going to look like if he's not available you know it'll be a really good long look at jaquan jones or jaquan johnson but i don't know if that's the game where you want to get that look so very interesting to see i think the you know the, the hope if you're a bills fan is that you get reinforcements back and ed oliver if he's able to get that ankle healthy i thought that he was moving around late in the week last night pretty in, in the week last week pretty well and that's the key too because it's not just about the coverage part of it like you got to hit Tua you got to make him feel you as a defensive line and then see how he responds to that see if the timing is off maybe he doesn't read a play properly because he's still dealing with the pain that he's going through from the hit hit on the previous you know set of play so I'm very interested to see how this pans out and if they trust Kyer Elam and Christian Benford if Dane Jackson can't play do the rookies play? Because I think that there might be a path to the rotation remaining and then maybe Saran Neal getting the, the look on the other side. Yeah, Saran Neal, uh, you know, Cam Lewis is someone that was inactive tonight. And and I think a lot of people envision him more so as a slot option behind Taron Johnson. But I think, I think the Bills would, like you said, rotate, move guys around, try different things out. Uh, I think the most important key, though, is having Hyde back there along with Poyer to keep the d- defense honest. I think uh, 
Tua knows that they're not guys that are going to give up broken plays very often, if at all. Um, he knows that those big plays, you know, that he's had in these first few games, some of them in which the defensive back hasn't turned around on underthrown ball and could maybe make a play on it. That's kind of what Poyer and Hyde feast on. If you underthrow that ball, they're going to make a play on it. They're going to get an interception. So uh, if you can have those two safeties in this game on Sunday, that's going to be huge for this team with some young cornerbacks going against some tremendous wide receivers and Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell. I really was impressed with the Bills' usage of 22 personnel tonight. That's something that could get really tricky because we've talked about like the crazy lean that Sean McDermott and I guess Brian Dable have had on fullbacks over the years. I mean, we all remember, I think it was the Houston Texans playoff game when Pat DeMarco, DeMarco. getting the long ball down, down the field. And you're just like, is that the guy that really needs the bomb down the field, the fullback? I'll tell you right now, Reggie Gilliam is built from something different. I mean, this dude looks like a tight end out there. I mean, the you know when he got that giddy up going on the touchdown uh, catch, I mean, he's he flung off two would be tacklers, got out in space. You have Quentin Morris out there, who was the second tight end, flying out looking for somebody to hit. Ken Dorsey has a ton of options. We were talking about OJ Howard as possibly that guy that could open up the playbook, a portion of the playbook for them. But I really think that this to me was the blueprint. Like the Quentin Morris is that second tight end. He's earned that role. He could do multiple things. He's almost like when you put Gilliam and Quentin Morris out there on the field, you almost put these two hybrid players that are interchangeable and you could do almost anything. You could literally, Ryan, you could go with, Allen under center or in the pistol and then have those two guys out there and even like Singletary or Moss behind them. You could be just, just doing all types of crazy power and run at them football. I'm just, just old school stuff. Got guys slobbering thinking John Madden getting real excited about it. Yeah. You know, Quentin Morris, he can line up in the backfield, like a fullback to be that lead block. We saw it a little bit in the preseason. We know about the athleticism. He had a catch tonight for, I believe six yards, Reggie Gilliam though. You, you mentioned it Swiss army knife and not just on special teams in terms of what he can do, but he can be uh, a fullback for you. He can be a tight end for you. He can block, he can catch, he can run, you name it. He can do it for you. And we saw a little bit of that tonight, that first touchdown pass, you know, it it looked like initially like it wasn't going to go anywhere. There's two defenders right there. Uh, He he makes contact with both stays on his feet. And then he, he kind of runs around to the left side of the sideline, gets into the end zone for the first score of the game. He has two receptions in in the matchup as well. One, which he kind of hurdles the guy shortly after Josh Allen did his own little hurdle tonight. Uh, but then there was the play deep down the field where he was open, uh, just a little bit high for him. He doesn't necessarily have the Stefan uh, Diggs or Gabe Davis uh, vertical jump or the, the timing of those types of plays down being a, a fullback slash hybrid tight end. But I, I think those intermediate plays can really start to, to, to develop for him as the season goes on. And I have high expectations for Reggie Gilliam in this offense. Uh, I thought this was a really nice game uh, for Dawson Knox. Five targets, four catches, 41 yards, and just real trustworthy with the ball in his hands. I mean, he got popped on that play over the middle. And I feel like if you look across this offense, and you know, I think Gabe Davis could be this, but he doesn't really feel – it's weird. you watching Gabe Davis play. Like he does a lot of things so well, but I feel like where he really excels is, is his work on the sideline. 
I think Dawson Knox can really be that physical presence over the middle. He's so willing to take hits there, and he made a great play tonight. I think it was like a second and 15. He makes a 15-yard reception, sets the Bills up, gives him a first down. I think they went on to score. I can't remember if it was a touchdown. Uh, but a really nice game for Dawson Knox, who only had one target last week. I thought he responded in a big way tonight. Yeah, that reception, you're right. It, it went for 15 or 16 yards because he caught it at the 14-yard point. That was the play that he got popped right away, too, held on to the ball. Two defenders come in to try to tackle him, and at the end, it was almost like a frustration play uh, by the Titans where when they tackled him, they kind of threw him forward over the first down marker, and it was kind of a, a, a blessing in disguise for Knox, the, the way that he was able to hold on the ball and then also move the chains on that because of the way that he was tackled and, and kind of rolled or got pushed forward, but Good game from him. We've seen physicality early in his career and throughout his career. I can always go back to the rookie season, that stiff arm against a double stiff arm uh, against the Bengals in that game, lowering the shoulder, running a guy over. It's in his arsenal. Uh, he, he's just a unique talent where he's faster than linebackers. He's bigger than players in the secondary, so he, he's hard to match up against. You can use him as a blocker. He does a little bit of everything. And you know, Tonight, too, I was really impressed with his performance because at one point he was off to the sidelines getting it. It looked like his ankle looked at. He wasn't wearing mm-hmm. a sock. It looked they were they were moving his foot and ankle around a little bit from mobility. And then before you knew it, he was back out there and really didn't miss a beat. So real solid game for him as well. After a a real solid opener too. I know he didn't put up a lot of receptions in the opener one for five, but he was great blocking in that game. So again, it just shows you all that he can do for this team to help them win. Tops markets, all that they can do for you. I mean, it's, it's limitless. You know, I, I know Russell Wilson is struggling out there in Denver right now, Mr. Unlimited. Uh, but I really do think Tops Markets is unlimited. Look at these deals, Ryan Talbot. Let Tops do all the work for your game day and tailgating spreads. Perfect for game day or any day. Visit Tops's Carryout Cafe for hot to go fresh large cheese and pepperoni pizza, 14 bucks. Jumbo chicken wings, 10 count, 14 bucks. Tops legendary breakfast pizza, large pizza, 20 bucks. Pizza or taco log, six counts, $7.69. Baby back rib sections, $5.99 a pound, plus subs, sandwiches, wraps, apps, sides, and so much more. Visit topsmarkets.com slash red zone for the complete menu of ready-to-enjoy fan favorites. At one in the morning, Ryan Talbot, my mouth's watering. Yeah, love their breakfast pizza. But you're right, great selection there. Head over to Tops Bills Mafia. Matt, seeing a lot of comments in here about Jordan Phillips, so real quick. Uh, loved what Jordan Phillips brought tonight. Had a big hit on Tannehill at one point, but... The, the one thing that you and I have both talked about since he was resigned, the, the way that he can get the, the fan base fired up. A few mm-hmm. tackles in the game, some right at the line. I think one tackle for loss, possibly. Uh, even if it was a short gain or a short gain for the Titans, a two yard gain, three yard gain, he would get into the backfield, wave his arms up and down. The crowd would respond. It got really loud every time he did that. Uh, so from a playing perspective, he's been lights out the first two weeks from that emotional perspective. You love what he brings from that perspective as well. No, I think that, you know, that was some of the smartest money Brandon Bean spent this offseason. I mean, the Daquan Jones move was one that, all right, Starla Tulele in totality was a whiff, right? Like, I mean, they spent a lot of money. I don't think he ever really delivered that, what they hoped. You know, even before the COVID stuff, I I, I never think he really lived up to that contract. So the guy that he was going to go out and pay six, seven, eight million dollars a year, and that's about in the range of what they're playing Daquan Jones. It was going to be somebody that was reliable and 
you know, speaking of reliable, Robert Lewis Ooh. just keeps dropping the super chats. My man, appreciate you. And all Phillips has done has come in here and done everything that he did a couple of years ago and more. I mean, he's at least at the end, he was starting. Like, remember, like he kind of crept past Ed Oliver on the depth chart. And then he was kind of in this quasi weird starting spot. Uh, even when Ed Oliver was handed the job back and he was kind of in this three person, you know, timeshare. And it just felt like he was starting even, even when he wasn't now he's in a definitive backup role when Ed Oliver is healthy. And so I think it's a situation where he's handled everything. Well, I think he knows this is the best place he's going to be. He's going to go on the ride, right? Like after being irrelevant for two seasons in Arizona, back to being like, this is the, this is the first chance in his career. Cause when he, the last year in Buffalo, the bills lost in Houston. They weren't like a, a serious contender yet. Right. You know, Stefan Diggs wasn't wearing a bills uniform. That was still a team that was in the building stage. Now I feel like he's back and he, he feels like this is the time to really enjoy winning and a run. And he's playing like that. He seems so loose, Huge piece. And I thought I thought Shaq Lawson was bouncing around a little bit tonight. I'll, I'll be interested to go back and look and see what it looks like on the on the replay. Yeah, you know, you mentioned Brandon Bean being some of the best money he spent was on Jordan Phillips. I have to mention, though, Jordan Phillips made it very easy for him. About the second after he got released, he was sharing pictures of himself in a Bills uniform, pretty much saying, you know, come and get me. I'm coming back as long as you show any kind of interest whatsoever. Uh, so like you said, Phillips, after two years of really kind of struggling out of this system, out of this defense, uh, he, he knew that at this point in the career, return to Buffalo was the best thing for him. And through two games, you know, he is absolutely right. All right. I think we're going to wrap it up on that note. Man, you guys brought it in the uh, comment section tonight. It was super chats galore, people throwing around takes and comments. And this week is going to be wild. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, hopefully to set it up. I'm hoping, hoping to book a guest uh, for Wednesday. I don't know who quite yet. Usually I'd go Marcel Louis Jacques out of Miami, but I know he's probably going to be inundated with requests. So I, I don't know if I want to put try to put too much on his table, but we'll have a guest driven show on Wednesday. The bills will practice for the first time this week, Thursday. It's a short week, but I think Sean McDermott, it looks like right now he's only going to go with two practices uh, before heading to Miami on Saturday. So we'll have a Wednesday show that'll kind of lead you into that with it, with a guest. And then we'll have a Friday preview show. I'll get to Miami on Saturday. We'll have you covered on Sunday for Miami gardens. Will be uh, another game, another day, another game, and it is going to be a big one. Ryan Talbot, back to Sundays, Matt. I love it. I'm pumped. I am ready for that normal start time for sure. Thank you to everybody for staying up late with us. Uh, Bruce Smith was phenomenal, by the way. If you if you didn't catch the video of the pregame words from uh, Bruce Smith, seventy eight. It was a uh, it was a it was a nice moment. I was able to get out of the press box because in the press box you can't really hear whenever they're doing stuff over the mics. So it was you know just listening to Bruce talk about you know everything that happened a few months ago. It was um, it, it it was emotional in here, and I think that you know the Bills fans like kind of it got them you know you know going, being around each other, celebrating the lives of the ten people that were tragically lost that day. It was it was a cool thing from Bruce. Yes, it was. Yeah. And then the mural before the game from the Thomas family, uh, everything, you know, well, well done tonight by the Bills organization and obviously some former legends of the organization and their families. He's Ryan Talbot. I am Matt Perino. Hit that like button. If you're new here, subscribe to the show. We'll be back with three 
big ones this week. Take care, everybody. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.